Welcome to All Call with Task Force 20, veteran opinions on veteran topics for the community, family, and friends. Now let's discuss. All right, welcome to episode seven of All Call with Task Force 20. With me today, I have Matthew Stam. Hello. Hold on, time out. Is it Stam or Stom? Because you say Stom. I thought you said Stom. That is, it's Stom. So quit saying Stam. How many times have I corrected you on that? It's Stom. <laughs> How many podcast people? Are we? Yeah, At, we're only seven in. I'll yeah. get it eventually. Is All it right. Matthew though? It is okay. Oh, so I or did Matt. get the the yeah. Matt right. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, at least you got his first name right. So welcome back, Matt. It's it's because you've missed the last couple. It's, yes. So it's it's like I been never even knew you. Uh, we also have Dave. Hello, hello, hello. Um. So I, I don't know if you want to introduce yeah, our no, guest absolutely. speaker that our, we have today as uh, well. I, absolutely. So our, our guest this week, uh, people that know him uh, absolutely would think that he needs no introduction um, because uh, I know that he's introduced himself plenty of times. I don't know that he's ever met a stranger. <laughs> um, but honestly, I've talked about him on the podcast before and how he helped me in my transition home, uh, just dealing with coming home uh, from my, when I came home from Iraq and had a... Uh, a child that I was not there for her birth and, uh, you know, just kind of transitioning back and learning to become a father and learning to become a, a decent member of society and things like that and how important he was to my transition uh, being has he kind of had to go through the same kind of thing, you know, 30 to 40 years earlier uh, when he came home from Vietnam to a son that he had never met. So, uh, you know, just he, he, I don't know, he, he, yeah, he, he was able to make me feel like a, uh, you know, just, uh, just to relate and, and just help me, help me, you know, become the person I am today. So, uh, he is Don Hensley. Uh, he is the patriarch of, of the Hensley clan. And, uh, I am, <laughs> I am, I, I, I can't, I can't describe how proud I am to have him on our podcast today. So uh, thank you for joining us, Mr. Hensley. You're welcome, David. Thanks for that introduction. It'd be hard to live up to all that now, yeah. but I hope they're not disappointed. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the face you made when he called you the patriarch is yeah, exactly yeah. why we need a YouTube. I didn't know uh, that the podcast. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, and I do want to say like your introduction, like speaks to the heart of our organization. Like we get by with help from our friends and you know, that, the the togetherness as Stom calls it, um, so that, that's awesome. Yeah, that. it it definitely crosses generations, and you know that that we the experience that we we've shared in two completely different conflicts, you know, and just you know, just in the creation of our families, um, it, it just it it absolutely crosses general generational boundaries. So, and and unfortunately, I, I forgot to uh, mention that. Pat and Joel are doing their family duties and enjoying the beautiful weather and uh, apparently having a lot more fun with what they're doing than being on the podcast. So <laughs> I will see if they're, they're still around right. after this, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Hensley, yes. um, tell us about yourself. Well, uh, I'm uh, 75 years old as of last Saturday, which is a shocker to me. <laughs> Happy uh, five years, by young. the way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I'm not. I'm 75 years old. Yeah, that's three <laughs> three quarters. My body doesn't hurt on a regular <laughs> basis. But I am David's uh, uncle. I'm, I'm very proud of David and his service. He's given a lot to this country, as have all these guys. Uh, and Dave talked about me helping him, but David has also, in his own way, helped me. And I would think the biggest, one of the biggest differences between a Vietnam vet and an Iraqi desert storm, Iraqi freedom vet, is that these guys here get together with each other and talk. And that didn't exist uh, with the Vietnam veterans. Um, I remember I came back from Vietnam in, in the summer of 68 and got discharged at, at the same time. And shortly thereafter, I went. I uh, was asked to join the American Legion, excuse me, the VFW, Veterans of Foreign Wars. And I can't remember the post, but it was in West Toledo. I went there, me and a buddy of mine uh, who would come back, who would actually enlisted with me. Um, and at that time, the, the, the day we were there, we were the only two Vietnam vets. And I wouldn't use the word abuse, but there was certainly a lot of conversation from WW2 vets, especially, uh, that we were the only 
people that ever lost a war for the United States. And that was the general consensus of, of the way things happened in Vietnam. But anyhow, I, I think Dave's a, uh, and, and these guys are doing a great thing here. And, and just to have uh, somebody you can talk to, uh, I mean, Vietnam vets didn't even talk amongst themselves. I went into the Marine Corps with uh, two other guys under the buddy plan, and we all came back within a month of each other. Luckily, we all, you know, everybody came back whole and everything. But I don't remember ever having a conversation with either one of those other guys about our experiences uh, overseas. And they were very different. Uh, we all served in different places. We all served in different uh, um, outfits. We all had different uh, jobs or MOSs when we were in the service. But we never, ever talked about it amongst ourselves or with each other. And we all suffered for quite a few years from some form of abuse, primarily alcohol. And um, two of us, myself included, ended up being divorced within uh, 10 years of our return. And never really got it. I never really got my feet on the ground for a long time because there was nothing like Jason and, and David to help you. You know, it was. The VA, the VA was non-existent almost. You go there. If you wanted to see somebody at the VA, you had to wait six months. And then when you went in there, I always got the impression the first thing one they wanted it to happen was for me to leave. So, um, it's a little different now, but not too terribly. Yeah, much. Right. Yeah. There's, there's still stories I, for sure. I had, uh, I, I, I have a couple things in, that were covered under the Agent Orange, which it took them 20 years to even admit that Agent Orange was an issue. I mean, I don't know how many guys died of various forms of cancer and so forth in that interim. But once they did approve certain problems that you could get disability for uh, exposure to Agent Orange, and I went filed my claim, and it took me almost four years to get approved. No, they said that you like you had. They said that with your DD two fourteen, like you had never served yeah, in Vietnam. I, I, you had to figure I, out how to prove I, they, you were in Vietnam. They had no. They, they claimed they, they they knew I was in the Marine Corps, but they didn't know I ever served in Vietnam. Although on my uh, two fourteen, I got two commendations and two ribbons for service in Vietnam. Right. Uh, but the, not good enough for the I, VA. <laughs> I don't think it, it must not have been good enough because it took about four and a half years. And I, I actually uh, wrote to the. Uh, uh, it was Kansas City, and it was a, where the Marine Corps must keep all the records for my records. And they sent a very redacted copy of my records. But I was able to prove on there by the outfit. So I had signed a, a thing to get uh, uh, money for my, my son. Uh, I forgot to call it. But, uh, but I had to have my, you know, my, my, my unit and my commanding officer, everybody had signed this form for me to get uh, my wife to receive uh, income for my son. And so I had that, and that was dated. And then I had this, I had the, I got the records of my outfit and proved that they were saving, that I was in Vietnam at the time of that date. Right. And that's what I had to use to the, to the Veterans Administration to get, uh, the compensation or the, the claim to go through for Agent Orange exposure. And that was relatively recently, right? Well, was, I mean, that was yeah, within the last 10 years or something, yeah, correct? Yeah. yeah. Was, so, I mean, I, I, I think I've been getting about eight years now. Right. Yeah. So, I the, will say this it took about four, four and a half years to, to go through all this big process because no one would ever answer you. The guy uh, here, he, he was almost as helpless as I was. So, I just kept calling this one. I got this number where I got somebody that would answer. Yeah. I just kept calling. Right. And it was all, never the same person, but I think hmm. I was in the right area. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he finally one of them said, well, send all this information you've got to this address. I did. And it was ironic because uh, it was probably a couple months later, I go out to the mailbox and there's a, you always tell the government check, you know, it's in that gold envelope <laughs> right, that has that right. green. Yep. Yeah, the it. Department of Treasury. Yeah. yeah. So I said, what's, it, what's this? For? I'm not expecting yeah, income right, tax yeah, or anything. Right. So I, I take it and I go in the house, I, I lay it down, I'll pay attention to it right away. After a while, I said, I'm going to see what that is. I open it up, and it was a check, very nice check. It was uh, payment. I was, I, forget, I think at that time I was considered 40%. And Going it was all the way back, back pay for the four and a half years from the day I filed my claim. So I, they paid me everything. Right. And then they told me in there I'd been approved for X amount of dollars and so forth and so on. So, mm. But it still took four and a half years. So if I'd have been somebody who wasn't financially uh, – Okay, no. was needing that money to live. Yeah, it could have been tough. Yeah, yeah. for sure. 
This month's podcast is sponsored by Lauren Gedman with Remax Preferred Associates. Give Lauren a call at 419-322-9280 with all of your real estate questions. One of the questions I would have and the the reluctance to discuss your experiences in Vietnam with the Vietnam generation is not unique at all. Um, did, is that predominantly led from your immediate experiences coming back? Like with the VFW, you said, you know, the World War II generation, mm -hmm. even they were kind of, they looked down upon yeah. uh, service in Vietnam. Is is that a driver as to why? I don't, I don't, I think it, that was, you know, the, uh, you know, Ted had happened uh, when I was over there and I came back in, the, like I said, the summer of 68. Um, a lot of things were going on in the States, you know, and that, uh, I think it may be a year or so later they hit Kent yeah. State. The summer, right. yeah, the summer of love and everything in 69 and all the different, all the movements they, and everything they were that were going down. on. Recruiting offices, mm -hmm. they were right. bombing ROTC buildings. There was a lot of things going on. You did not tell anyone that you were a Vietnam vet, right? I mean, civilian, was, military, or otherwise, because you know, places they wouldn't hire you if they thought you were because you were quote nuts. Yeah, because yeah. they had seen pictures on TV of people burning down houses, and everybody seen the picture of a little girl who got napalm running down the road. Right. Well, they didn't. In my mind, I was angry at that time. Very angry person. They didn't stop and think about the hundreds of thousands of people, the Japanese and Germans, that uh, kids that we right. burnt to death uh, in World War II. Right, right. Because it was quote you know a justified war, and it yeah. was. There were more deaths in uh, in Japan. There was more deaths from napalm than there was from the atomic bombs. Right. So I mean, they basically they we, Tokyo. yeah Tokyo got burned to the ground with napalm. Absolutely. So, but yeah, I mean, but that's not. I mean, that's not talked about. You know, the the Vietnam boy, the the Vietnam guys, they were the baby killers. You know what I mean? Yeah, in in the in the World War II generation, that was the golden and generation. Would have had the same thing, right? You you guys, the only thing that saved you guys from that was the draft. Was no draft, right? right. So it was all so, volunteer. It was very, you know, that's, I'll be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not a hero. I probably wouldn't have went to service. When we, I went to service, I flunked out of college uh, from drinking too much, and then I got drafted into the Army, and I went down to, to join the Coast Guard. Right. I figured, man, I can sail around Pensacola a lot easier than I can go to Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> so I go down to join the Coast Guard, and the guy's all happy. You know, come on in. Yeah, have a seat. You know, And I told him, I said, I've already passed the physical for the draft, and I've been drafted. I'm supposed to go to uh, Kentucky. He goes, I says, but uh, I don't want to go in the Army. I said, I think I'd rather, I'd like to join Coast Guard. He goes, well, yeah, he's all friendly and happy like most recruiters are. Uh, he goes, well, we do have to do one thing. He goes, we have to give you an eye test. And I'm, uh, I have, uh, my eyesight's 2200. I'm blind, almost blind. In my, I have only 20% vision in my left eye. And it's scar tissue, so it can't be corrected by glasses. Right. So he gives me an eye test. He goes, you can't join the Coast Guard. I don't know what it was, 20, you have to 2040 or correctable to 2030 or some stuff like that. I said, well, I can't, glasses don't help me. Yet. He goes, and you can't join the Coast Guard. I said, but I already passed the physical. He goes, that's for the Army. He said, you can join the Army. Right. I said, well, I'm going to go join the Navy then. He goes, well, the Navy won't take you either, neither will the Air Force. They all have the same requirements that I have. We have. So you landed on the Marines. Well, I walked out of the recruiter. You know, all the officers are up. They used to be up in the federal building. They were all together. You know, I walk out, and there's a Marine recruiter was standing in the hallway. And, uh, you know, he had his dress blue. So that's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I had some crap on the over here, you know, some <laughs> yeah. medals and stuff. Right. He said, what are you doing, son? I said, well, I was trying to join the Coast Guard. I said, I got drafted, and I wanted to join the Coast Guard. I said, they wouldn't take me. He goes, oh. So what's wrong with you? So I don't know. I passed physical for the draft. He said, "Come on in, <laughs> come see me." I said, yeah, right. by, "By ten o'clock that night, not only had I joined the, uh, the Marine Corps, but two of my best friends had joined with me." <laughs> so, so you were that friend. Like, I actually had us believe that we would be because back in in the sixties, these surf movies were real big, you know, with Frank, uh, Frankie Avalon and right. Matt Funicello. Uh -huh. So I, we actually yeah. thought, man, that weekend we'd probably be surfing. Be yeah. at Pendleton in yeah. Southern yeah. California. Beach blanket bingo and whatnot. San Diego yeah, for boot camp. We'd be out there surfing, right. hanging 10. Right. I think I saw the ocean was a run by it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was a different time. You know, it was uh, if, if you got out of high school, if you didn't go to – you had three ways. You go to college, 
full time, not part time, not half time, not full time. Right. You had to take at least twelve hours. Mm-hmm. Get into an apprenticeship that was affiliated with some sort of higher education thing. Get married. Those are the three right. ways, unless you were had something physically wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Those are the three ways you got out. If you did not have one of those three things in 1965 and 66, you were getting drafted into the Army. The Marine Corps had not was falling behind because I think their enlistments were only four years, maybe three years. They might have had a three-year enlistment. They weren't drafting into the Marine Corps at that time. So hmm. Didn't know that. The, Marine, the Marines were falling behind. They needed more bodies because, you know, they've already sent – Ninth Marines was the first outfit to go into Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So – they uh, they incorporate they they started a two year enlistment program where you can enlist for two years of active duty and four years of reserves just so they could get bodies just so they because right. all they wanted to do they figured they take them about uh, seven eight months get, with boot camp and infantry training and whatever your specialty was going to be right and they could ship you over there they get you know Marine Corps tour was twelve months and twenty days they get the twelve months and twenty days that bring you back and then kick you out right yeah and I'm pretty sure in the uh, the recruitment conversations they didn't talk about the life expectancy of e1s and e2s in vietnam no, very they, much they, did they? they didn't bring up the fact either that 90 percent of the guys that enlisted for two years got an 0300 which in the marine corps is either an infantryman or a machine gunner or a the worst ones mm-hmm. you're going to get that mos right 90 percent of the guys 95 percent of the guys that went in for two years got that mos right and uh, I don't know how I did it, but I didn't get that. I got uh, I was in communications, so but so it was kind of a. But that's what the army was doing too. They were putting right. it for two years, and you're 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 a cannon fodder basically. So we ended up joining the, the Marine Corps into the buddy program. And here's here's a funny story, Dave. I like funny stories. <laughs> the, the other two guys that went in with me, they've been going to a tech school up by Youngstown and they had just gotten out of that uh, like the sometime in the middle of June and this is probably the middle of July uh, so they hadn't taken their although they were both my age they hadn't taken their physical yet because they were in that school so they had so we go up to Detroit to uh, I think it's Fort Wayne up there is where the, the MEPS or whatever you know, where the induction center was mm-hmm. think, well these guys go to take their, their physical so uh I've already taken my physical, so I'm doing other. They have me doing other things, so they get done, and we're all together. And there's like maybe you know, 20 guys or so, and uh, the it was a gunnery sergeant. He calls my one friend up. He goes, "Okay." He goes, "Leonard, listen." He goes, "You got to go back home for three weeks." He had turned his ankle yeah. a couple of days before that playing basketball, so we want you to go back home so your ankle can heal up good, so you can go to boot camp. Mm-hmm. So I'm, me and the other guy are standing there. So I said, well, we'll go with him then. We're all uh, – <laughs> yeah, we're well, together. He goes, we're he goes where system. do you think you guys are going? I said, we're going with him. Yeah. I said, we're under the buddy program. <laughs> we're three goes, weeks. Yeah. Goes, you two guys are going to San Diego for boot camp. <laughs> you come back in three weeks and you'll go to San Diego. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we went on the buddy program. We never – with the three of us, and we never spent one minute with Jim. I never saw him again after that day for two years. Wow. Never saw him the whole rest of the yeah. – our, our, Leaves didn't sync up. And you guys didn't but, get together in San Diego on the beach and hang out and looking at the ladies in the bikinis the or anything? No? Actually, I think I told you this, David. We were actually doing push-ups and squat thrust in the airport in San Diego. Oof. <laughs> and they put us out. They ran us out the door. And I thought, my God, what are, what are we going to do now? You know, And they, I had gum in my mouth. And, and he smacked me upside the head and told me to get rid of that gum. And and I thought, man. I mean, I was I had not gotten out of the airport yet. And I realized I had made a big mistake. <laughs> That's what, and and I've, I've said Marching it. Marching at Fort Knox, and that sound all that bad, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I've said it. I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. When I went to my older brother's Marine Corps graduation uh, from Paris Island, down in South Carolina, I was probably I don't know fourteen, fifteen, something like that. And that was the moment that I decided that I was joining the army. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anybody to give me that knowledge. Right? Yeah. No. Absolutely. You know, I had an uncle that was in the CVs, and he was. Uh, he said, "Well, you didn't get in the Navy, but Marine Corps is the next best thing." Yeah. I didn't realize that there was a wide gap there. <laughs> so anyhow, it was pretty. It was pretty traumatic. I think boot camp was very traumatic. Anybody, I, I, yeah. I always said this: you can go through Marine Corps boot camp in your backyard, and you'll still want to go AWOL. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not. It, it's it's. It, and I don't know how it is now. I, I mean, I don't know how it was before me. But in 1966, mm-hmm. I went in in uh, July of '66. It was not. Yeah, I mean that—that uh, that was the design was to completely destroy you and to break yeah. you down so that they can build you up and make you a marine. Yeah, absolutely. They want, and, to, they want you to charge that hill and not think about it. Right. Well, the the shark attacks were actually started during Vietnam. Those, those that type of 
um, drill sergeant or whatever didn't exist before Vietnam. They actually instituted that because of the draft and the way that society looked at it because they wanted to instill absolute dominance over the privates as they were coming in because they, they knew nobody wanted to. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I will remember my shark attack to the day I die. Yep. There, we didn't call them shark attacks. We yeah. just called it boot camp. All I know is that I'd been in the Marine Corps for less than a day, and I was standing naked in a room with 70 other guys naked. Okay, this is a family podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a box in front of us that was probably a foot by a foot by maybe a foot and a half deep. And we took everything we had, our clothes, rings, watches, everything that we owned, uh, had with us that was not issued by the Marine Corps, put it in that box, taped it up, and put it whoever we wanted to send it to. And that was it was gone. So you were standing there, and they took you down to nothing. Yeah. Before that, first thing they do is after they beat you up on the in the airport, they load us onto a cattle car, not a bus, a right. cattle car. Yep. Yeah, we had that, and we were like this, and they drove us out to the depot there, and then we got on these yellow footprints, and these guys kept disappearing around the door. And the I famous think, Marine Corps yellow footprints. And then I, I look around, and I can see that there's four barber chairs, and these guys, and this is the '60s, so long hair was right. That was the thing. And these guys are hitting that chair. You get in there longer than maybe sixty minutes, sixty seconds, and you're you're out. You're done. You're gone. So we're all standing there naked, and we all got the same haircut. So right (laughs) away, the first thing they've done is taken away any individuality you have. You're done for. Then they gave us all exactly the same. We had you know green utility trousers, white tennis shoes, a yellow sweatshirt with a Marine Corps emblem on it, and and a cover. And that's everybody looks alike. Mm-hmm. Everybody, there's no difference. So yep. you can't, there's no individuality. Yep. And then they you guys are nothing now. Oh, Time to make yeah. you guys Marines. Yep. Uh, I mean, back then, I just thought it was BS. Right. Right. And I realized that there was a grand scheme there. I just wasn't let in on it. Right. <laughs> that was part of it. Yes. So, does any of this sound familiar, Matt, in the Air Force? Do they do well, any of this? I mention everybody that I didn't leave the podcast. It's just I'm not allowed to talk <laughs> during any type of uh, boot camp stories because I went to the Air Force boot camp. And uh, yeah, it's not. Sick. But I mean, that was a lot. I mean, you went through Air Force boot camp a lot of years ago. So that- <laughs> we did. We did. I. When I was in there, it was over Christmas time, so the maids Christmas were off. <laughs> so we didn't have our, our, no our maids. maids or butlers. <laughs> right. Um, had to give them a break. I did go a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a lot different. years now? It's 25 Almost years? 25 years. Wow. And it's, there's some similarities as far as, uh, you know, you get off the off the bus, it starts right away, you get marched to your haircut, that kind of things. Um, but it's definitely not as breakdown yeah, it is. It is for like, the Marine Corps and the Army that I hear and stuff like that. Um, a lot of what they do, it seems, you know, when we're folding our T-shirts and we're doing everything else, it's more like paying attention to details yeah. and, and doing stuff like that. And when you think about, you know, I never want to go through it again, but it wasn't as uh, it's not as long. You know, it's a lot shorter and they get you into your technical school pretty quick. Uh, but it's definitely, I mean, my eyes and ears are wide open when I hear these stories and the respect I have for the men and women that go through it. Mm-hmm. And um, glad like they're I, on our side. Like, I had a buddy who um, was in the Air Force, in the Guard with me, he wanted to be a pilot and didn't get one of our slots, and he got a Marine Corps slot. And the stuff that he had to go through before any pilot training, because he had to go through a infantry school and an officer school, and all this stuff was well over a year and all the things he had to do. And I remember telling him, you know, like, hey, what are, what you're going to go through just, I mean, it's, I was actually amazed by it and right. saying, you know, when you come out of it, the respect that you see for some of these Marine officers and stuff, it's just, uh, I don't, I don't have many words for it. I right. just, I have a lot of respect right. for them. Just glad and, they're on our side. And yeah, it, it's, sure. have you it's guys, any of you guys ever listened to Admiral McRaven's? Yep. I mean, that. Make that, your bed. That That is a thing that, uh, that. When, he, when I listen to that, that reminds me of Marine Corps boot camp because they, they do the quarter flip on the bed. And, yep. And it's uh, one one fails, you all fail, mm-hmm. uh, these kind of things. And, and, and uh, I, I can remember that in the obstacle course, they had this tower. And I don't know how far, how high it was, but it was high. And I, I've always had a fear of heights. Um, it was probably 40 feet high. And, oh, yeah. And it had these rungs. Like, as you got up higher, the rungs were further and further apart. So at the top, you were chinning yourself. And I remember we had to go. That was one of the I don't know, 
where it was at on an obstacle course. It was fairly early in it. And I remember going up there and freezing at the top. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the general instructor is calling me every all the names, every name you can think of but Don. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm, I, I'm froze. I can't move. Right. Right. I can't go. I, I got to go over. I got to swing right. my leg and go over the top and then go down the rope. Yeah, I was actually terrified on mine when we had to do it. Well, the next thing so. I know, he's down there hollering at me. And the next thing I know, it seemed like I'd blink my eyes. He's right beside me, right here. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and every four-letter word and five-letter word you could think of has come out of his mouth. Get over it. You know, right. And, and, and the next thing I know, I'm at the bottom. I did it. Right. You know, no idea how. No idea how. <laughs> no no idea what steps I took to get myself underneath to do that. And I bet you never did it again. <laughs> I, I never froze again. <laughs> right. But, but, you know. There's methods to those madness. Oh, it's yeah. So that, that what like the, the control and just yeah. making you believe in yourself. Everything they did, all that stuff that I considered petty, and some to this day still do some of it, was for a reason. And yep. McGrave and I thought his speech just yep. if what you, you wanted, think is simple. Yeah. If you, you want to be a success in life. Start by making your bed. Yeah. Have one victory. Mm-hmm. Yep. The victory the first thing in the morning. I, I don't make my bed. <laughs> I haven't made my bed since I got out of the morning. No, right? years I'll old. tell you what, if I don't get if I don't make my bed, I get reprimanded by Mrs. Lauren Gedman. So, uh, so you got yeah. your own drill sergeant. Yeah, my bed gets made. Yeah. yeah. My bed gets made. That is for sure. Um Yeah, and I would never compare anything in my service to a Vietnam generation veteran, but I think uh it yeah. often gets overlooked that the Iraq war was not a popular war either. No. And I was actually protested in college. Like I, uh, when I was president of a the university of Toledo's, um, campus veteran organization, which later became an SVA or student veterans of America. I was invited as a keynote speaker to give a speech at a support the troops rally. And even at that time I knew Iraq was kind of a hot button topic and not to really dive into it too much. So I gave this 15 minute speech or wrote a 15 minute speech, did not mention Afghanistan or Iraq a single time. And there were still people that showed up simply because I was an Iraq veteran and, you know, had bullhorns and everything while I'm trying to speak. And, you know, I I didn't really understand it at the time. Now that I'm a little bit older, I get it. You know, they wanted to have a voice or whatever, but um, I can imagine day in and day out the Vietnam generation, what they had to go through, even going into service organization, VFWs and legions right. and halls. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't only the unpopularity of the war, which it was very unpopular. Um, most of us, my generation, grew up watching John Wayne, you know, storm right. uh, Mount Suribachi mm-hmm. uh, in the movies and so forth. So there was a lot of that. But I think the thing that, and I didn't really want anyone to go, hey, nice job. You know, I didn't care about that. I didn't really want that. But I didn't want what I got either. Right. Right. And what I got was just, uh, and the difference, you talked about uh, Toledo University. Um, I was I went there. I enrolled that September. I got out that summer. And I was going to, uh, I was taking classes out of, and I was working in a factory at night and taking classes in the daytime. And they had a they a day out there. And I can't remember whether it was the first semester or second semester when it was, but they had a, a day where they were going to close the university down and protest the Vietnam War. Right. And I'm in a class uh, at that time. I'm 22, maybe, and 21, 22. And so there's there's not a big age gap between right. me and most right. of the students. A couple of years. Um, and they're talking, the professor's talking about uh, class on Thursday, there'd be no class, we're going to do this, blah, 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 blah. Um, and he looked right at me. I don't know why. He goes, if anybody that wants to come to class that day, I will be here. Nice. So I go to class. Mm-hmm. And there's like four or five other people in there. I mean, there's probably 30, 35 people in the class, but there's four or five other people besides me that are in the class. And he and he's uh, I, I I think I don't know if I made this up in my mind if it really happened, but I think he ended up telling us that hey, these other people they were responsible for what we covered today, right? Even though there's no class, it's not a free day since you guys came. And when his eyes walking out, he goes, "You're a Vietnam veteran, aren't you?" Now by that time, my hair's longer, and you know, right. Uh, I said, "Yeah, I am." He goes, uh, "I could tell." 
right. I don't know what that meant. Right. Uh, the way people carry themselves. We talk no. about that. You can pick them out of a lineup, and mm-hmm. it's not always a bad thing. No, probably not. <laughs> but he did have class, and there was several right. other. But the, yeah. the, the university, for all practical purposes, and I was surprised that four or five other people showed up that day. Right, that they, they came to class, and I don't know if they were veterans. I didn't talk to any of them. I don't know if they were veterans or they had people that served family members you know, or whatever. Yeah, whatever. But they were four or five of us. There. I was about thirty, so we had a class, and uh, I never will forget that 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 professor did that on his own, and he wasn't like a older guy he was probably in his 30s so he right. was kind of a young guy you know uh, but i i kind of appreciate just having that opportunity yeah, absolutely so from all of us welcome home yeah thank you and thank you for your service yeah thank you guys i mean thank david david did like 35 years <laughs> <laughs> three wars two wars two yeah. wars and a bosnia yeah, Kosovo. Yeah, oh, okay. that was probably worse than Afghanistan. A peacekeeping mission. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And didn't you have some time in the Caribbean too? Uh, like, you know, I mean, does was, that even count? Well, I mean, <laughs> just trying to keep drugs out of the out of the uh, you know the the war on drugs. Oh, Ronnie Reagan's war on drugs. You know, hey, we're just trying. Hey, we're still good. fighting the good fight on that one. So yeah, we're not doing well. Man. Yeah, well, yeah, well, <laughs> and I will uh, I will always blame Mr. Donald Rumsfeld um, for ruining that for the army. Um, because right after our unit got done with that rotation in the Bahamas, um, he uh, canceled that for the army and gave that to like I mean some other department in the government so that the the uh, uh, DoD didn't have didn't have to worry about it anymore. Right. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a nice little ninety minute ninety day break. Uh, best nicest place that the army ever sent me for sure. So <laughs> ninety days of sun and fun. Huh? Yeah. Well, I mean there was work too. I you know we had to wrench on some helicopters, but not not very often. A lot better weather. No, I'm beautiful sure. weather. Yeah, so. no complaints about that. Do you ever notice in the United States it's not to fight wars where it's kind of comfortable? No. Yeah, what is the deal with that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. Why don't we invite in, yeah. invade more Caribbean yeah, islands? We did invade southern France, but. Uh, one time, but I don't think those guys enjoyed that very much. No, I don't think so either. And yeah, no, yeah, nor Sicily and Italy yeah, and things. Yeah, yeah the, I, don't, I guess maybe it's just the yeah it's the environment more. I than guess so. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, if only there weren't people shooting at us, it'd be a lot more fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah, war would be great if it wasn't for the enemies. Right. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, I always remember. Uh, at least I do, and I'm sure you guys do. You always remember the first time you get shot at. Mm-hmm. You know? I think that. Uh, Everything that I learned from watching John Wayne uh, went out the window <laughs> right? in about two seconds. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I actually didn't realize I was getting shot at until uh, one of the guys, I was in a Jeep. Uh, I was at an engineer outfit. We were in a comm Jeep, and uh, I was sitting there and heard this noise. And I thought, boy, I wonder what that is. That's different. But you never know anything with engineers. Right. So those guys could be doing anything. Right. They were actually, I think, was uh, mind sweeping. Yep. And uh, I heard it again. I'm thinking, man, it's an hour. And the next thing, my hand grabs, reaches up and grabs me, pulls me down behind the Jeep. And this guy I was with, who had been country for a lot longer than I had, I'd only been there several couple weeks. He goes, you know, and I can't say what he said to me, but basically uh, it had a lot of curse words in it. <laughs> We're getting sniped. And I was thinking to myself, sniped. Like the birds? <laughs> what the heck is sniped? Right. I said, what do you mean, sniped? He looked at me and goes, you know, how GD dumb are you? <laughs> then it dawned on me. And then I got so nervous, I, 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 couldn't, and I was just... Uh, <laughs> Wait, is that supposed to happen? Yeah, yeah right. Let's leave. Yeah, let's get the heck out of here. Get yeah, out what, here. Are they, what the hell are yeah. we doing here? Yeah. So I said, what do we do now? He goes, well, we'll do it. We stay here. He'll, he'll leave. <laughs> So what if he calls his friends? Yeah. <laughs> That's on. I'm trying to find out where the heck did I put my rifle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought we'd just go out for a Jeep ride. I right, yeah, no kidding. Nice little drive through the yeah, countryside, yeah. yeah. Right. So after that, I was, before that, I was always saying, I'll go on the, I'll go on my, you know, on the comm Jeep. After that, I was saying, oh. Yeah. No, thank you. I run the switchboard. Right. As he just raised your hand, and I'm here to win the hearts and minds, sir. <laughs> <laughs> like this fighting stuff ain't for me. Uh, there's but, humor in it, though. There is. There oh, is right. it, it, we have, have to find to, humor in it. I yeah. think that uh, uh, here is one thing, too, that, that amazes me. And I played a little, uh, not a lot of sports, but some. I was always amazed in the, in, the, in the Marine Corps, I'm sure the Army and the Air Force is also like this is how quickly 
and how deeply your friendships become and the camaraderie develops that is unbelievable and i've never ever had that since then mm-hmm. yep and i've never felt that like that since then the guys that two weeks ago you didn't even know and now you gladly would and i'm not being modeling or anything but you would give your life for no it. not yeah no doubt I mean, about it, it. Yeah, and absolutely. i don't think that anybody that doesn't serve in the armed forces never understands that oh yeah like, even the guys have been on teams and stuff it's, right it's different still i um uh, i've been out since 2004, what is that? Carry the one, about 17 years now, and I've still got friends that I could pick up the phone today right. and call that I haven't talked to. I mean, literally seen face to face, but maybe one time since we were like boots on the right. ground in Iraq. And even to this day, I could, I know I could pick up the phone and call. An amazing thing to me about a lot of that is that if you didn't have that experience. And you put the same guys working in a factory or an office someplace, they probably would never. Nope. Yeah. Like yeah. No, I mean, barely say two words to right. each other, you know, yeah. good morning and, and mean, good I evening. Like yeah. Joe, I don't like him. Right. right. The, yeah. yeah. The, the best quote I've ever heard that would kind of describe what you just said is camaraderie is built through mutual sacrifice. Yeah. That's pretty good. I like that. Thanks. I stole Did I say it. that? I stole it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. true, though. They're, the brothers, systems, and arms, when you're wearing the uniform together, you get that bond, especially if you're under fire or in a situation in the um, shit. that you got to go through yeah. together. Nope. You don't, you don't lose that bond. No, I don't think so either. I think it's, it builds. You know, it's so, right. it's so quick because there's – And that is, so the, deep. That, that is the piece that civilians don't understand. If you don't know, you don't know, and don't try to pretend like you know. Because you don't. It's like trying to explain to you Army Air Force guys what it's like to go through a Marine Corps boot camp. Right. You can never understand. <laughs> you never understand. Like, yeah. you know, that, I mean, the Army is a little bit closer. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. But, well, um, well, made. He had a maid. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's why he's still in. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, but, no, thank you, Don, for coming on and sharing the stories. And, you know, it's it's an honor to have you on. I really enjoy what you enjoy, but I, I I know what you guys do, and I I, I just uh, I think it's great, and I think you guys should keep it up. But, uh, Sorry, that's, that's just that's just the fan the family fantasy football league uh, pod or uh, group <laughs> text there. Oh, yeah, yeah so. so so if you need to yeah, like draft some players or something, yeah, right. So that, that's it. So that's, I don't know if you could silence that. Maybe I don't know if you could throw that on vibrate. <laughs> I, uh, I, I know I contributed to that noise. I apologize. I just got this. I'm not sure. Oh, there you go. Sign them up. All right, so yeah, we're good. Then. Need so, to bring back the old razors. Yeah, don't worry, Hold we on. got. Don't worry, we got the we got the old Hensley fan, family fantasy football uh, yeah, kicking was, off. So big year we expanded. Oh yeah, <laughs> big, big time. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. it. I love so, it. So is that um, is that my sign? I'm done. Yeah, that was Junior. Yep. No, is that no, my sign? I'm done. Nah, I mean, you oh, can, no, no, you can hang no, out. No, we're still going. Yeah, no, you're it's not done yet. Okay. No, you're not done yet. Yeah, we're. Yeah, me to sound like get out. No, no, that's the military. You no, you enlisted. You're in for long. Yeah, no, we're gonna. There's some different things that we want to talk about that you we, right. we here in a minute we're gonna go clean out the connex yeah we absolutely want your opinion on uh on, on what we're going to talk about no you're here for a reason big man but um this month's podcast is brought to you by forever in bloom by jamie tusco your artificial and solo wood florist call jamie at 419-551-3183 for your home decor bridal bouquets and special occasion needs we just had a, a a pretty big event a couple of weeks ago. The uh, our biggest event of the year every year is Operation Stronger Together and the Gavin A. Smith Veteran Resource Fair. Uh, I think it went kind of okay. I mean, what do you guys think? Uh, I think it was pretty successful myself. Uh, yeah, and I know that uh, Big Big D's wife, uh, you know, his better half. Uh, made a pretty big contribution to that, and and was out there with uh, yep. with she her organization, and, and she and she did buy that beautiful <laughs> beautiful hat. Uh, yeah, so anybody that ran in the race that picked up a water immediately afterwards probably got it from Don's wife Maggie. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's a big volunteer. Yep, she's so about the she's about the, the sweetest it. thing that you'll ever run into yeah, too. Is. So um, I don't know how the hell you trapped her, but man, it was well, a good catch. I had to go through some other ones, you know, first. <laughs> <laughs> We all make mistakes. Right. I don't know. Yeah, that was your that was your mother in law. Your mother in law did that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my mother in law is Dave's. Dave's mother in law is my sister. Yeah, the baby sister. Yeah, yeah baby and, of the family. Uh, she told me I got a I got a a lady I'd like you to meet, but uh, I was between between brides at the time. <laughs> 
and she said, uh, he said, uh, I'd like you to, I got a lady I'd like you to meet, but um, you, you got to wait a little while because I don't think you're ready to meet anybody right now that would be, you know, substantial or anything. Right, life-changing. Basically, you're kind of a... Yeah. Yeah, right. tramp. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. straighten up a little bit. So yeah. she she waited a while. She waited, I don't know, four, five, six months, and then uh, she called me one day. Say, here's uh, Maggie's phone number. Call her. So I called her up and I did my best, uh, you know, Don Juan imitation. <laughs> Don Juan. I said, Do you want to go out to, go out this weekend to, to dinner or something. She goes, No. <laughs> okay, well, thanks, Mick, for fixing me up. <laughs> Appreciate right. it, little sister. Said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Mickey's sister. I'm Mickey's brother. She goes, Yeah, but I'm busy this weekend. I said, okay. <laughs> She goes, call me back sometime. I said, yeah, right. He said, I'm Don. She <laughs> said, I'm busy. Back. Yeah, yeah. Right. You think I am calling people back? Right. But I did. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty good decision. So I'm pretty smart, though. It was a blind date. So I didn't mm. know what she looked like. I'd seen a pic. Uh, Mickey had shown me a picture of her. I was ready to, you know. So I figured, well, I'm going to do something I like to do. So I met her for dinner. We had dinner, which was very nice. Very you nice. like to eat? Is that what yeah, you're saying? that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and I took her to the horse races. Oh, no kidding. Because I like going to horse races. And that was not a good move. Mm -hmm. Because I'm trying to, you know, hey, you want to make a bet? Go ahead. I, I, I think I didn't lose like 150 bucks. Right. By taking, I, I'd have been a lot better off taking her to a $10, $15 movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I must have impressed her because uh, it's, it's been about 25 years ago and we're still together. So. Yeah. Well, I think I... I think I figured out where I keep going wrong is I keep doing what they want to do. Uh, no, find out something you because here's the deal: if the whole thing goes south, I'm at the horse race. I love the horse race. <laughs> at least I'm having you know? a good time. So I mean, if she's looking at me like I'm, you know, bad meat or something, and I don't like her that well, right? I'm still at the horse race, right? You know, if I do something I think she's gonna like and it goes south, right. well, yeah, then I'm you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah. You know, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, yeah. some right. some you get Barbara Streisand movie, right? Or right, you get it. One of two things is going to happen. You're going to have a terrible time, or well, I guess that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that, that working out real well, and and, uh, and we've been together ever since. Mm -hmm. And well, uh, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I know we we appreciate the fact that uh, you you took Mick's advice because she's yeah. huge help, huge supporter. That's a good group so. to get involved with. Uh, you know, she's the treasurer for the, for the uh, telephone company. Yeah, the Pioneers. Pioneers yeah. Retirement right. Group. And they do a lot of good things, you know, and she's very involved in all that. She's going tomorrow to hand out, I don't know, I'm going to get this wrong. <laughs> it has something to do with birthday cakes they make uh, for some, uh, for a family house or something like ah. that. And so she's going over there tomorrow night to do that. Very and, cool. Uh, yep. Always trying to I'll make be a difference. ESPN. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, my my least favorite part of the five k day was getting up literally at. I think I got up at four thirty in the morning or something, so that we could get up there and put together my favorite part of the day, which was the memorial that we brought in. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. so yeah, that was a, it. Was a beautiful memorial, and uh, I think touched a lot of people. And I know that um, myself personally, uh, you know, knew you know not only a high school guy that I graduated high school was with uh, was on the memorial, and then but uh, my Scott, my squad leader John Russell, and then a, a buddy of mine when I was in uh, uh, Deuce Deucenberry, William Deucenberry. Um, you know, just seeing those those dog tags on the wall, it was. I mean, it. it it was a big deal. It was, uh, you know, brings back a lot of memories and stuff. So it was cool that we were able to get that in town. And, and I know that the folks in White House um, were very happy that we were able to get that. And uh, we were able to speak with the mayor and uh, a councilwoman from the village. And uh, they were very happy and, and, and very proud that we were able to bring that to their community. Yeah, I can only echo. I thought it was great. I mean, we showed up in the morning and we're unpacking and, um, we got to work right away, so you didn't really, really sense kind of what it was going to be like, and you know the impact. Yeah, next we year we got to have donuts or something, something, you know, something. 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 <laughs> but once it was all set up, and you know, same thing, you know, I looked to the wall for uh, the name of someone I served with, uh, Kevin Sonnenberg, and, and then you saw that, and I got impacted, and I had some buddies that were helping out, and uh, we shared a moment and stuff on, you know, kind of along the same lines. And then as the race got kicked off and more people started showing up, um, I thought what we did was the right way to do it is we created an, 
you know, the, the 5K was a was a huge success, and we had the running part of it, and we had the resource part of it, which was all great. But the way we set up the memorial, um, we gave we gave it its its due for uh, for everyone to have their reflection, have their moment, mm-hmm. have their their time um, to kind of think and and enjoy that. Yeah, that piece of it. I didn't see it, but I have been told that there were individuals that actually got quite emotional uh, seeing it. So, well, I mean, yeah, and and we can't thank enough all the volunteers that came out and that helped us get everything set up, Um, and and not only the memorial, but you know the resource fair and everything else. Just everybody that came out and helped uh, Operation Stronger Together become a thing and uh, help. Because, you know, we can't do it by ourselves, obviously. So, yeah, which, um, I mean, you know, the three or four people that are listening to this podcast, uh, you know, if you knew somebody that volunteered and sure, hel- helped. Now they knew I was at. Oh, yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely so, right yeah, if you, if you know somebody that, uh, that you know, that volunteered, please thank them for us. Uh, from the bottom of our hearts, we could not do it without anybody. So, uh, yeah, we, we definitely appreciate it. Yeah, and hopefully Mother Nature works with us a little bit more than the last couple of years. I mean, this year. Uh, oh, we yeah. just got a sprinkle. I'd say Mother Nature was on our side well bad. enough this year. Yeah, it oh, wasn't bad but at all. the humidity. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, it was you do terrible. something at the end of the June, end of June, it's going to be humid. See, it is what it is. Dave so was we'll working take... under the tent. Yeah, right. right. Running exactly. It's a different yeah. perspective. Oh, well, I yeah. hope you enjoyed it because it was the last time you guys were going to be doing it. So you're welcome for that. And, yeah, uh, I, I, it systematically lowered my 5K time about five minutes. I don't know yours, but cool. I was I was sucking. Yeah, my five K my five K time is about two hours. So, I'm 12 uh, Budweiser's the night before. Did <laughs> I see <today>. Uncle Don. <laughs> we're, we're here to talk about. <laughs> um, but no, definitely, we've already begun talking about next year. So uh, if you didn't make it this year, if you're still curious, uh, I mean, literally, you could uh, register right now for $22 for the rest of 2022. I can't guarantee the weather's going to work out, but I can guarantee you could do a lot worse with your $22. Yeah. So, And if you did visit the event... Uh, search us out on Facebook. Let us know what you thought. Uh, we always like to hear um, the goods and the bads of what we're doing, how we could do better. Um, but even more so, we like to hear the good stories. Uh, like I know I met somebody running just because I saw a young kid running along, and I had my daughter, and he was about the age that I pulled my daughter along to start running. And I ended up running about a quarter of the race with him and his grandmother, and they actually sought me out afterwards and said, like, thanks for running, you know, or hanging out with us. And, you know, I bet you meant as much to me as it did to them. And we like to hear about those things. Absolutely. You know, so get on our, our sites, shoot us a message. Um, post the pictures. Yeah, post yeah, some pictures. Let us, let us know your, how you're enjoying what Task Force 20 is doing and what else we could do. Because we're in for more things. We're not going away anytime soon. We like to get bigger and better just because we're going to help more people. And that's our goal. And speaking of uh, social media, I have come to learn over the years. Big D's big on the social media. Yeah, he <laughs> loves the social media. Yeah, just, just uh, go to Facebook, type in Big D, you'll find it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't advise that. Yeah. Do not do that in yeah, Google, though. Don't know what you'll get. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you don't know what you'll get there. <laughs> but what what I have come to learn is it's not kosher to put July 4th fireworks videos on social no, media. Don't do that. Apparently, that's not as cool as what you think it is when you're the one posting it. Uh, however, I enjoyed July 4th. Yeah. We are taping this after July 4th has happened. Um, but You know, that's a, it's a wild kind of a strange thing this year is, you know, there's been nationwide, you know, labor shortage and everything else. So you, you never really see, I mean, you see it when you go to restaurants and stuff like that. But then fireworks this year locally in Northwest Ohio became deeply affected by this labor shortage so you know waterville who you know my hometown where i where i live currently is where they religiously do it on july 4th well first of all this was like the first year and that i can remember that it wasn't scheduled on the fourth even you know the fourth was on a monday or something which was really strange but so it was originally scheduled on the second well then the labor shortage the the company that was supposed to do the fireworks couldn't do it so they had to do it a week early so 
um waterville's were actually on january or um june 25th which is really odd right and then sylvania got hit with the same thing and they had to move theirs back because they couldn't do them when they originally planned so it was just like really strange like how it worked right. this year with the fourth of july that like fireworks were all over the board because the companies that you know set off these fireworks just couldn't keep up it's just i mean it's just strange i guess i don't know yeah then that's paying premium pay day. I guess July so. Yeah. The holiday. Yeah, they, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Love me some double time. Um, also in the month of June is the Korean War Armistice Day. June and July? July. Okay, well, let's uh, go with see, July. Yeah, I know they both start with a J and a U, but well, let's go with the month that we're currently, to- <laughs> we're currently living in. Um, but yeah, there, there's a movie coming up about the Korean War that I'm kind of excited about from the trailers that I've seen. And it's uh, called Devotion, and it's about the first African-American pilot in the Korean War. Um, I I know somebody that's read the book. They said it's like – they didn't give me too many spoilers, but they said it's definitely from what they've seen and what they've read. It's a book that everybody will benefit from watching. So my grandfather, uh, who just passed away last November, was a veteran of the Korean War and – like very similar to the Vietnam generation, he he didn't really talk about it. Right. Literally, the only thing I knew while he was alive was that he built bridges and the North Koreans would blow them up. That was it. That's all he would yeah. ever say. Yeah, they hated bridges. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Good swimmers. <laughs> um. So, I mean, that's really my only association with the Korean War. Um. But I'm I'm really looking forward to this movie. Yeah, no, I I love a good war movie. Um, don't get me wrong, but uh, my grandfather also, my maternal grandfather, served in the Korean War, and uh, and like I mean, I I he died when I was relatively young, ten, eleven, something like that. So it's not like you know you're going to share war stories with your ten year old grandson or anything. Um, but you know, as I've gotten older and I've heard stories from his kids and you know my aunts and uncles, um. It's always interesting, but then uh, one of the things that that me and me and Don absolutely do is we we share books back and forth, you know, because we're both history buffs. Uh, we both love reading uh, historical nonfiction and and military nonfiction. Um, so there was I, I can't remember the name of the book, but the was it like the Frozen Chosen or something like that about, oh, yeah, uh, about Fox Company? Yeah, about the, 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 the around the Chosen Reservoir. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That like that like the stuff that like these guys were like 10, were literally 10, freezing 10, to death, and the Chinese were like because back then, like in the Korean, like the uh, the United States military would only operate on roads. And like they had to have roads to get all their equipment through and everything. And then the Chinese, when they came through, they would all, I mean, they were all just marching across the countryside and like the leadership, the United States leadership could not figure out how these, how so many people were getting in there. And these Chinese, they were just, I mean, they were just walking across these mountains, like climbing mountains and just, I mean, it was insane. Just fighting. Sounds like it. Yeah. It was like 30 to 40 below. Yeah. And they're wearing tennis shoes. The Chinese, they didn't. Really? They not all of them even had weapons. Uh, it wasn't unlike the Russians in World War Two. The guy'd fall and get you pick one up, yeah. Pick up his gun, you'd be behind him. And uh, <laughs> Fox Company, I don't remember which which Italian uh, regiment it was, had to hold this pass uh, on the north side of Chosen uh, Reservoir. On one side was uh, Marine Corps. I think it was. Uh, Fifth uh, and Seventh Marine regiments, and then the other side was it was Army yeah. Army outfit, and I forget who it was, or which because the Army's got a lot of numbers, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, but the Marines would be trapped if this pass was to fall because they couldn't get down the road, right? As everybody was retreating and back now, south when the Chinese came across, yeah, thirty forty below, right. and you got feet of snow on the ground, and uh, one company actually, they estimate you know four, five, ten thousand. Chinese trying to take this pass from these guys, and some guys literally froze to death in there. And like, and like their their casualty rate was like something like some eighty ninety percent. I mean, it was like this a ridiculously high casualty rate. Nobody wasn't hurt, right? So that they could hold this, so that everybody, so that we could the Americans could retreat south and and back. And they they held it, and they and uh, they they got relieved, and then and then they had to walk out. And First Division headquarters was further down the road. I can't remember the name of the town now, but uh, 
the uh, commander of 1st Marine Division, General, I think it was General P. Smith, mm-hmm. had the foresight that when they went in there, because this was all MacArthur's idea, he said, yeah, Army Gen- up one side and the Marines up the other side. And, and he completely ignored all military intelligence. Everybody told the Chinese have entered the war. And now the Chinese don't have four or 500 guys. They've got four or 500,000 right, right. In, in North Korea. And he completely ignored that. Yep. So they're all trying to get back. Well, uh, the general in charge, first division, had the foresight to build an airstrip there. So he was able to get supplies in and out and get uh, wounded back. The army, uh, I'm not saying this because I'm a marine, but the marines marched out right. of the chosen. The army came back in body bags in a herd. Yeah, you know, right. There was no organization, and part of it was because, and they were all shot, shot to, to heck. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, the only way they could escape was by going across the reservoir itself, you know, get out of right. the yep. So it was really, it was a pretty horrific war. It's pretty horrific. Yeah. It, in my mind, is one of the, you know, and you, you learn about that in boot camp and all that. You learn about, you know, Iwo Jima, Guadalcanal, right. you know, Bella Woods and all that. But the Frozen Chosen is right up there. Yep. Uh, and that was, a, that, was a, that was about the point that old uh, Doug MacArthur got fired in his political, yeah. his, his, his wannabe that. political career. Yeah, and, and that's when uh, you know. old Matt Ridgway came in. Uh, he was yeah. the uh, he was the 80, Matt Ridgway was the eighty second commander eighty second airborne commander in uh, World War Two when they first jumped into uh, North Africa and Italy right and uh, so that's when yeah Ridgway took over in in Korea and kind of got some kind of semblance of organization and like they yeah. said they're all they're road trapped because right. the mountains are very steep and they're snow covered and they're and there's the, but the whole Chinese. mentality I mean the whole U S mentality back then was you had to stick yeah, to the roads. the roads yeah right so they, and they kept there was no there bridges. Mm-hmm. And they did one thing that the, the, the Air Force and the Army did one thing that they'd never done before. They blew this bridge. I don't know how long it was, but it, in the pictures I seen, it appeared to be about 300 yards long. And they actually dropped uh, from above in place, um, I don't know what you'd call them, but long iron metal pieces to, right. to make this bridge. They created this bridge over this gully that had been blown. I'll, I'll say they've been stuck there. They've been right. probably all been wiped out. Yeah, I'll, I'll never say anybody is blessed uh, to go to war, but I am blessed that I did not have to fight in those conditions. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, imagine thirty-five so, below zero. I'm oh no, you. that's stupid. Like I, I was in a hundred and thirty to one hundred and forty degree heat. Oh yeah, I, I'll take that over negative thirty all day, every day. Right, right. Yeah, that, yeah. It's a special, special breed, and that's you know you guys because take, take their boots off, their, their toes would come off. With yeah, them. no, absolutely. And that, you know, that was one of those. It, you know, it was it wasn't a war. It was you know a police right. action or whatever. You know, people. But I'll tell you what, those Korean, those Korean war vets, those those guys were legit, man. They they saw some, some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they didn't even have any near the equipment and the clothing and the stuff that they needed. Didn't have anything. You know, that's, they thought they would be done. It would be, you know, right. it would be over with in a matter of days or weeks. They didn't realize that there was, you know... Sounds like... There's been as many as a million and a half Chinese up there. Sounds like the second Iraq war. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that we'll be back in a couple yeah. of months. They'll give up right away. Oh, yeah. So, um, if, if, and I always like this saying: uh, wars are great because they're started by old men and fought by young men. Right. You know, so the guys are going to do the guys that start the wars. They never do the fighting. It's always guys, the young guys that do the fighting and dying and bleeding and all that. And that's very true. And it's easy right. to send a hundred first airborne into Iraq if you're going to be in Washington D.C. You know. Let's send these guys yeah. over there. If you're just looking at numbers on a sheet, well, there's weapons. Of, well, are they, well, maybe there are. I don't know. Let's we'll right. send them anyhow. They're not doing right. anything. They're just hanging around down there. <laughs> so. um, yeah. Uh, immediately following the Korean Armistice Day is Buffalo Soldiers Day. Now, who were the Buffalo Soldiers? Uh, well, according to the History Channel, I had to look this up. Uh, no one knows for certain why, but the soldiers of the All Black Ninth and Tenth Cavalry Regiments were dubbed Buffalo Soldiers by the Native Americans that they encountered. One theory claims the nickname arose because the soldiers' dark curly hair resembled the fur of a buffalo. Another assumption is the soldiers fought so valiantly and fiercely that the Indians revered them as they did the mighty buffalo. Whatever the reason, the name stuck, and African American regiments formed in 1866, including the 24th and 25th Infantry, which were consolidated from four regiments, became known as Buffalo Soldiers. Um, don't really have a, a whole lot to expand on that, but definitely want to at least acknowledge uh, their 
history uh, towards our country following the Civil War and the sacrifices that they made. I mean, you think 1866, so, I mean, that's literally immediately following the Civil War. So, I mean, that's, you know, African-Americans just were just granted their freedom. Right. Uh, and, you know, so, and, you know, there was obviously examples of service during the Civil War and everything like that. But, yeah, absolutely. Big, big part of our, our you know, American military history and, uh, you know, still to this day and, and yeah, it's, it's a big deal. And then I, I believe also, you know, for those TV fans that, you know, have followed the Yellowstone craze, I believe the next offshoot of the, the Yellowstone TV series is about a guy that was a Buffalo soldier. So yeah. I think that's coming out here pretty soon, but yeah, the, uh, the one I, after 1883. Yeah. I think the next one is going to be like a spinoff some, uh, there, cause there was an African American character that was in Correct, 18. Yeah. yeah. And he was a Buffalo soldier before he you know joined that group or whatever i i believe so um you know and i can probably be you know proven incorrect in the future which i am many times but yeah i mean always interesting stories and you know stuff that they went through and you know across the american west and they're a huge part of of building the american west and and you know american expansion and manifest destiny and whatnot Yes. I, I'm fairly certain that 160 years from now, people aren't going to be talking about the 64th MP company. So just the fact that 160 years plus, however many years it is, after these individuals were formed and fought against the native you know, population, that they're still so revered. And their you know, contributions to our country even are still today uh, reminiscent. Right. Um, but moving into August, you know, August 7th, Purple Heart Day. So uh, we want to make sure to highlight those individuals that have had more sacrifices than anybody on our board um, has had to give, uh, whether it be some kind of injury, Shane Jernigan, you know, mm-hmm. the loss of a limb or, you know, whatever the case may be. Take a second on August 7th to uh, pause and, you know, maybe reflect on what we're actually asking our military service members to do uh, when we send them over there, regardless of the war. I I think that's something that gets lost. We were just talking about, you know, when you're looking at a sheet of paper and numbers, you're actually sending somebody's mother, father, child, brother, sister, you know, whatever the case may be. And there's a chance that even if they do come home, they're not coming back whole. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, but you know, our next big event coming up is the veteran awards banquet. Um, it happens on September 8th, but one of the most important pieces of our veterans award banquet is that we're trying to give other individuals and other organizations money and recognition for what they are providing the veteran community, because we realize it's not just about us. Not everybody wants to lift heavy things. Not me. (laughs) <laughs> or, or run right or, I know. as well so. also not me <laughs> um so i don't know what, what do you think about the the awards banquet Matt? Uh, well i think to talk about the nomination process it's a it's not only really a chance for us to tell exactly what's going on with us but we want to highlight some vets out there some civilians out there that are doing and organizations that are doing some great things for veterans and awareness and stuff so uh, we'd like to nominate because we'll have a, a civilian of the year. We're going to have a veteran of the year yep. and we have a veteran organization. Yep. Correct. And the more submissions, the better. We'd like to hear about all the, the people out there that are doing great things that we could highlight. Cause again, we're not, we don't do this just for the four or five of us that are on the board. We do this, you know, for other people and to recognize other people for what they're doing out there uh, means a lot to us. Um, so Find a way to reach us again on social and um, tell us tell us your stories and what you're doing out there, and we'll be happy to recognize you. Yeah, we know there's folks out there in the community that are making a big difference in the veteran community, um, in, in you know, in Northwest Ohio, Southeast Michigan. So uh, you know, please help us recognize them. Um, I know people don't do it for the recognition, and and that's the most important part and why they need to be recognized. Because people are doing it because they they know that something needs to be done and they want to make a difference. And we appreciate that fact. And even though people aren't doing it for the recognition, 
we want to make sure they're recognized for exactly that reason. Right. And yeah, you know, the, the way we, we do this is, you know, we don't want it to come across like we're just handpicking, you know, the people we work with or, you know, the organizations that we work with. Yeah. So we want other, you know, fans and supporters of these other individuals and these projects and these organizations to go on and nominate them. Yeah, we, th- we thrive on uh, external support and external ideas and things like that. So, yeah, please, please, please uh, let us know. Let us know what's going on. Uh, you know, we try to keep our, uh, our ear to the ground as much as possible and know what's going on with the veteran community in Northwest Ohio. But, I mean, if, if we're missing something, uh, you know, we want to know and we want to make sure these people are, are getting the proper recognition. Yeah, and one of the most important pieces to this is we also want to help fund whatever it is they're doing. Yeah, um, absolutely. Help us help them. Yeah, I mean, the, as a nonprofit, I mean, the the most important thing to us isn't money, it's word of mouth. But I tell you what, if somebody was going to donate $1,000 with us out having to, without having to hustle or go out and try and find that $1,000, if somebody were to put us in for a similar, similar award, I mean, that's, that's, you know, helping us and work we don't have to put in for. So no matter how large that organization is, you know, their core support and they're, you know, running it, that's money they don't have to hustle for. It's all because you put them in and said, take a look at what these, these people are doing. Absolutely. We all have the same goal. We all the same goal of looking out for the people that need to be looked out for. So, uh, with that said, Don, yes. it's been a pleasure. A um, lot of really great stories, and you know, hope to have you back on in the future if you're willing. You have to pay me more. <laughs> <laughs> What's a, two, so? You, next time you get three right bottles of water instead of two. Three bottles of water, <laughs> and I kind of like that donut idea too. I like right. Yeah. I'm not going to say no to a donut. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate, appreciate it. It was, it was an honor. It really was. Yeah. And and before we finish this up, Don, I, I just I I don't know if I've said it to you enough, but I'm not. I'm not the man, the father, the husband that I am today, if, if not for you and the uh, the friendship and, and mentorship and everything that I've gotten. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> since I came home, since I came home from Iraq, it's, it, it does, it, I cannot say it enough. I, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Right back at you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you can, uh, everybody listening. We do have social media. Yeah, you know, we got pages. Yeah, Big Don is big on the social. You should see his TikTok account. <laughs> He's got millions on his I've been TikTok on Facebook account. Facebook two or three times. Yeah, at least, at least. <laughs> um, but for us, I mean, that is a way for us. It, it does help us get out what you know we are doing. And uh, so, if you can go on, follow us on our social media pages, and you know. Uh, if you like what you heard, uh, any of these last seven episodes, you know, subscribe on any of the platforms that we're on, share, tell others about it, yeah. follow us. Yeah, give us a rating. Give us five stars, remember? Yeah, give us five <laughs> stars because if you give us four, we are inclined to believe that you are haters. Right. So, yeah, give us a five-star review. Yeah, That's the highest you can get. Yeah, I'm telling you. I mean, five? we yeah. deserve five, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't be that four-star. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes that guy. Don't no, be that guy. Yeah, don't be that guy. <laughs> So, uh, with that said, I've, I've only got uh, two things left to say. All right. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I just want to thank you all for listening. Uh, we are Task Force 20, and we are honoring those who didn't come home by trying to take care of those who didn't. If you are or know a struggling veteran, please take down the Veteran Crisis Hotline number, 1-800-273-8255. Reach out to your people, and don't be scared to ask for help. If someone crosses your mind, text, call, or email them and let them know. You just might save a life. We train together, we compete together, and we survive together. Until next time.